Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Risen Nation Church podcast. I pray that this message today impact your life and above all, draw you into a deeper encounter with Jesus. All right, can we all turn to Psalms chapter 102? Do you guys love Jesus? It's amazing, it's amazing uh, what Pastor William prayed at the end uh, because he didn't know that I'm teaching uh, on hunger this morning and he did an altar call for hunger. So we'll see how it goes. We might do another one. Um, But this morning I, I just... I don't know if I'm necessarily gonna teach you something that you don't know. I wanna reaffirm this morning of what you do know. And I want to, um, if everyone leaves this room this morning starving for more of Jesus, we've done our job. That's my goal this morning. I want to cultivate hunger in a new way. Um, I shared on Wednesday night to some of our leaders that, uh, <clears throat> how many of you remember in the, uh, in the book of Revelation chapter three when it talks about the, the church at Laodicea, how it was lukewarm? And Jesus said, I'll spit you out because you're lukewarm. Well, if you think about lukewarm water, <clears throat> it's not just lukewarm in itself. What makes up lukewarm water is some hot and some cold, right? It's a mixture of the two. And so where we are going as a body and what we are contending for is to be a people on fire, right? Yes. And so we, we declare every week, and it will always be our declaration to come, Lord Jesus, come, and we are contending for him to come. Say amen. amen. But there's a secret that we all have to, to get to for Jesus to come. In Ephesians chapter 4 It says, he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, until we all, someone say we all, till we all come to the unity of the faith unto a perfect man. It doesn't say perfect men and women. It says, till we all come to a perfect man, singular. It doesn't say, the word doesn't talk about the brides of Christ. It talks about the bride of Christ. So for Jesus to come, Ephesians 5 tells us, he's looking for his glorious church, his whole body that he can rest his head on, that he can come and be the authority in and be our bridegroom. But it's a, it's a unifying of faith unto a perfect man that is his body. Corinthians tells us that, he, that Christ is a many-membered body. Amen? Say many-membered. And so... <clears throat> For, for Jesus to come back, we need to have the same hunger and desire for him. Does that make sense? So for Jesus to come back in his body as a head, for the sky to split open and us to see the man Jesus, his body has to be whole. And that was the problem with Laodicea is there was some burning there. But there was also cold. There was the mixture. And I want us all to be burning by the end of the day. Can we all be, I pray in Jesus' name, God, let us all be burning by the end of today. And there is a principle in scripture, and the, the Lord shared this with me. Um, it's hard to explain. I feel like God shared this with me just through spirit, and there was no words. Like, he shared a, um, a whole message with me, and I had to find the words. Can I say it that way? And like, I'm just 
gonna pour my heart out and I'm praying that you can catch it by the Spirit. And I'm gonna try to find the words to express what I'm feeling. <laughs> Amen? And so there is a secret, uh, there is a secret I believe that we have to come into. There is a secret revelation where, where it will lead us to be one man, like Paul said, one whole body, his bride, not brides, that he can come and rest his head on, rest his authority on. And so when we say, come Lord Jesus, come, but like Pastor William said last week, we have no idea what Venture is doing or we have no idea what Keystone is doing. His body is not assembled yet. He's coming for a glorious church, his body. Someone say glorious church. Without spot, without wrinkle. You know what that means? Without spot or wrinkle. You know, we know it's talking about a, a sacrifice, to be a sacrifice unto the Lord. But if you actually look up those words, it just, it's talking, and forgive me, it's talking about an old person. No spot and no wrinkle. It says a wrinkle in the face. And <laughs> it's really quiet in here. It's okay, it's gonna get good. It has nothing to do with age. <laughs> It's a picture. Someone say picture. It's a picture. What it talks about is those that live in newness of life that have their mind has been changed. Their life has been changed. Their mind has been renewed. It's not about just me getting to heaven anymore and escaping and to hell with everybody else. It's about his body. It's about a newness of life, a new way of thinking. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So we have to understand, we have to be on the same page of one accord. In Acts chapter two, it says when, the, when they were of one accord, then the Holy Spirit came and filled the room. Amen? Are you guys in Psalms 102? And so there is a secret. And so this morning, I want us to not just look at the what of scripture, but also the why. So we read things like, because the what is obvious. The why you have to search for a little bit. Right? Do you guys study the word? Let me encourage you in something. You can't read the word. You have to study it. If you read the word, anyone can memorize words. And I'll even go out as much to say that you could memorize scripture. It's not going to change your life. You can memorize the words. It's not going to change you. We could talk about the what all day long, but it's not going to change our inner being until we search for the why until we know what the Spirit is saying behind the words and let it transform us. That's how you're transformed. To be, when, when Paul said, don't be conformed to the world, he's saying, when he's saying, don't be conformed to the world, he's saying, be conformed to the word and it'll transform your mind, right? And so we read things like David was a man after God's own heart and we just blow over it, but why? Why did, why did God say through Samuel, I'm going to raise somebody, a man that is after my own heart? There was a secret that David carried that pulled on God's heart. If you read his life, and this is why we have to study, and you have to, um, you have to read, my, my uncle Benny said a profound thing last year at Habitation. He said, you have to read the scripture in thoughts, not in chapters. 
because they just put the chapters wherever the translators thought it made sense. But sometimes the thought continues. And so when you read about David, you have to read about the process of him being, being a shepherd in a field to being crowned as king. And God said, this is the one that is after my own heart. Why? Let's read about why, shall we? Before you go to Psalms 102, just stay there because I feel like people like, you know, turning to the Bible. So Psalms 18 says in the Amplified in verse one, just write it down. It says, I love you fervently and devotedly. O Lord, my strength, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. This is the words of David. And the one who rescues me, my God, my rock and strength, in whom I trust and take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord. Someone say, call upon. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death surrounded me, and the streams of ungodliness and torrents of destruction terrified me. So David's going through some anguish here. The cords of Sheol... The netherworld, the place of the dead surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, when I seemed surrounded, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. And he heard my voice from his temple and my cry for help came before him into his very ears. There's something about the cry of God. And are you guys making notes today? Because listen, you're not gonna get all this in 46 minutes. You need to go and study it and make, make it Make it your study, amen? Make it your conviction. So there is something about a cry of God's people that, his, that, that gets to his ears. There's something that the cry of his people, it does to God. Like in, in Exodus chapter three, we see Moses at the burning bush and God says, I've heard the cry of my people. Their cry has come up to my ears. The verse six of Psalms 18 in the Passion says, in my distress, I cried out to you, the delivering God, and from your temple throne, it puts it as one word, from your temple throne, you heard my troubled cry and my sobs went right into your heart. Psalms 120 verse one says, and this is all David. So as I'm reading this, think that David the king, right? The, the, the king that he didn't need anything, but he kept this cry. I'm sorry, Proverbs, what I just read was Solomon, but in Psalms 120, verse one, David, he had this cry in his heart. He had this, this groan unto God, and despite what was going on, up or down, winning or losing battles, this cry remained because it's all through the Psalms. So in my distress, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. Psalm 61, one and two. Here, just write, I'm gonna just kind of go through these, write these verses down, you can read them later. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 61, one and two. Psalms 57, verse two in the ESV says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. 145.19, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him and he will hear their cry and save them. 77.1, I cried to God with my voice, to God with my voice and he gave ear to me. 
Psalms 3, 4, I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. Can I stop there and say something? And I shared it, uh, <clears throat> I think last week at one of the prayer rooms about uh, when the word says that the word of God is, in your, is, is near you. It's nigh thee, the word says, even in your mouth. Amen? And so David here says, I cried to the Lord with my voice. Now I've heard, and uh, can I just address something? There's such power in, in crying out to God in prayer and worship with your voice, your literal mouth. There's such power in it, and I've heard things like, well, well, prayer is not so much the words, it's the posture of heart. Yes, but it's incomplete. Because the, the Lord said to cry out with a voice of thanksgiving, we read in Psalms. And he says, the Lord, I cry to the Lord with my voice, it's in your mouth that you may do it. He heard me from his holy hill. Psalms 88, 1 and 2. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry. Psalms 55, 17. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud. So it doesn't say cry silently. It says cry aloud. He lifted his voice and he cried aloud. And he shall hear my voice. When we cry aloud, God hears our voice. When we cry unto him, he can't help. We're going to see later, but the, the word favor in the Old Testament is when God stoops down. When Psalm says it's time to favor Zion, it's, it's the grace, the graciousness of hearing stooping down. It is the cry unto the Lord that he can't help but notice. It gets his attention. It's, it's the one thing that only we can do. And if we don't, the rocks will do their best. But we are to cry out unto him. Can you guys hear me okay? We are to cry out to him and it does something to the heart of God. That's why God said David was a man after my own heart because he had this cry. He had this groan in him that no matter what his circumstances are, it didn't change. And he was vulnerable enough and human enough that when he was going through it, he told the Lord what he was going through. And he didn't play the Christian thing and try to pretend that he's not going through anything. He, would, he says, I, my heart is in the depths of Sheol. In hell. I'm going through hell right now, God. I need you to save me. It's the Israelites. I, we're in hell, Lord. They're crying out for someone to save them. And God finds a Moses in a, and, and leads him to a burning bush and says, I've heard their cry. Their cries come to my ear. And so there's something about this word. There's something about the desperation of a cry that the Lord, of God, the Lord God can't help but stoop down and his, his ear is attentive to it. The word cry aloud here in Psalms 55 and verse 17, it's one word in the Greek and it is the word, it's hama, H-A-M-A-H. And it is more than crying tears, even though it involves that. It's more than shouting even though it involves that. It's more than praying, even though it involves that. But it is to make a loud sound, to be disquieted, to be discontented, to mourn. 
It means to roar, to be troubled. It's a groan unto the Lord. This is what gets the attention of God is this roar, this groan unto God, like this dependency of God and the and God loves us to be in the place where there is nowhere else for us to turn. God loves to be depended on. He wants us to be so dependent on him. I mean, Pastor William, I thought he was going to preach my message at one point, but he, you know, we read about in Deuteronomy chapter eight, when, when the God saying through Moses to the children of Israel, and he's literally giving him like giving them like a resume of all he did for them in the wilderness. And he's saying, look, look, I've done all this for you. I've given you, I've given you manna in the day and quail at night. You were starving. So I gave you manna. And, and then you got sick of the manna. You complained about that. So I gave you some meat. I gave you some quail. You were thirsty. I made it gush forth from a rock. Your clothes didn't fade. Your shoes didn't fade. For 40 years, I've given you everything. I've led you by fire by night and a cloud by day. I've given you my law. I've given you my words. I say, if you just look to me, there won't be a nation that can stand before you. I've given you the land of hills and valleys of milk and honey, the promised land. It's all yours. You just have to look to me. And they couldn't do it. They were so consumed by what they didn't have that they couldn't look at what they did have, the creator of the heavens and the earth, that wanted to father them. Like, think about that. The nation of Israel, compared to the other nations, wasn't a large nation. It came from a family of 12 brothers. It was a small nation, but out of all the nations of the world, God says, you are my chosen people. Think, put yourself in, in the camp of the Israelites, and you wake up in the morning, there's dew on the ground, it dries, and then there's bread, and it tastes like honey. And God intentionally gave this to the children of Israel. We read it, because, you know, it's, it doesn't grip us because we've read it our whole lives, and we, we heard about it in three years old in children's church. But think about this, God, and then they complain. And God doesn't say, forget you guys, go back to Egypt. If you want to go back to Egypt so bad, go and be slaves again. He didn't say that. He's a merciful God. He said, okay, I'll give you some meat. I'll give you some water from the rock. You want to defeat your enemies? Just, just hold up Moses' hands for a while. Like, what? And this, think about the, the, the heart of God towards his people. He is, he is so in love with his people and he just wanted their cry to be not what they lacked but he wanted their cry to be for him and he kept giving and, and this is what God does he keeps giving and giving and giving and our cry doesn't change our hunger doesn't change and he keeps giving and he keeps giving and he keeps giving and he's after this desperate cry that David had and he said this is a man after my own heart <clears throat> you all with me Psalms 102. Let's begin reading in verse one. It says, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I call. Answer me speedily. Verse 12. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to all generations. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. 
for the time to favor her, that's to be gracious to her, yes, the set time has come. For your servant's sake, take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust, so the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion and he shall appear in his glory. Listen to this, verse 17. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute. That means, the, that means naked. That means the ones that are stripped, uncover, exposed, that have nowhere else to turn. They are naked and exposed before God. He will regard your prayer and shall not despise your prayer. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. This is something that is generational. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from the heaven, from heaven the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner. Can we just slow and read this? Are, are we all focusing on the word here? Okay, verse 19. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from the heavens the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death. Why? To declare the name of the Lord in Zion. So good. And his praise in Jerusalem. When the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. Turn to one, Psalms 107. Just <clears throat> five chapters forward. And so... <clears throat> We are all on the same page that, how many of you can just, just by the way, this is like a, just a small portion of what David wrote, crying out to the Lord and inquiring of the Lord. That's the secret of David. He always inquired and he always cried out. One oh seven, let's begin reading in verse one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever this is why we need to pray out loud, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When Jesus, when, when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray, he said, when you pray, say. So I want you guys to go read that in Matthew chapter six and circle say, okay. <clears throat> let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Verse four, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate, desolate way and they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out. I said, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way. That's the straight way, the correct way, the righteous way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wondrous, wonderful works to the children of men for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Is there anyone that's hungry for Jesus today? Four times in this chapter, David says, then I cried out to the Lord in my trouble and he saved me from my distresses. Four times in this one chapter. <clears throat> Go to verse 29. I'm sorry, verse 20, let's start in 28. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm, the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet 
So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He turns, and he, here, notice the words here. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground. It's not he turns he turns wilderness into rivers. He turns the rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into a dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. Now, verse 35, there's a shift. He then turns a wilderness, so it's, it's shifting now, into pools of water. And that, so if the wickedness, they turn the rivers into wilderness, then for the righteous, he turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. Verse 36, this is the whole text of what I wanna teach this morning. There he makes the hungry dwell. This is to remain, to abide, that they may establish a city for a dwelling place. And sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He pours contempt on princes. It's for their sake and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction. That's those that are, know that they are in need of help and we are all in need of his help. He makes their families like a flock or like a multitude. The righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops its mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Okay, verse 36. There he makes the hungry to dwell that they may establish a city. He literally takes the hungry in the wilderness and establishes a city in the wilderness. And he turns wilderness into pools of water and a dry land into water springs. Hear this. Psalms 27 verse 7 says, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. The Passion says when your soul is full, you turn down even the sweetest honey. But when your soul is starving, every bitter thing becomes sweet. There's something about when your soul is starving. And I remember from a personal perspective, back in about 2019 or so, or 2020, the Lord took my wife and I on a, my wife and I on a weird kind of journey. And I had the and I've shared this before a little bit, but I've had the the opportunity to start a business in South Fort Worth and and I was working in McKinney at the time, which is like the other side of the Metroplex. And uh, <clears throat> I really wanted it to be God, but it wasn't. <laughs> and, I, and I saw every sign. Oh, there's a, there's a construction worker that says this way, and that's God telling me to go to Fort Worth. And I really wanted it, you know. And, and the whole time, and my wife, who is much wiser than I, would say, listen, don't do anything. If they call you again, then it's the Lord. And if they don't call you, then just leave it. And that sounds like great advice, but I am dumb. And so of course, I, uh, you know, I'm like, let's go. And, I, and part of it was, 
uh, I just didn't like where I was. And so I'm using, because I wanted a change, I'm using God, like maybe this will be God. Maybe I can find a confirmation. God, give me a confirmation because I, I want this. I don't want necessarily what you have for me. I want this. Can I be honest? I'm the only one who ever went through this, right? All right. Judgmental people. All right. And my wife says, don't call. So, of course, what's the natural thing to any husband to do? Call. And, and I called, and they're like, yeah, you know, they, you know, and it was weeks that had gone by, and, and we missed phone appointments, and I missed Zoom calls, and things to talk about this new venture. And so, me being the, an idiot back then, I realized, or I didn't realize, so maybe God's shutting the door, but I wanted to just charge the door open and break it down because I was, I was stuck in this rut and I wanted something different. And so long story short, it turns out, like my wife said, it wasn't the Lord. And we were there a very short season and uh, thank God we didn't sell our house. God saved me with that. And we were able to move back into our house and God, he redeemed it. So, and he's faithful. Somebody say amen. But during that season, when I, was, when I was working in Fort Worth and very quickly realized that this is not the Lord, I, rem- <laughs> I remember when COVID first started, first started, our company got hired by Walgreens to disinfect Walgreens. Well, Walgreens is always open. So the only time you can disinfect Walgreens is at three o'clock in the morning. And so I had to wear a hazmat suit at three o'clock in the morning. And I remember watching my brother preaching on the way to Walgreens and thinking, I might have missed my calling a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, babe, I'm gonna work at Chick-fil-A, I can't do this anymore, like, I'm just, yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do, go to LA Fitness and play basketball all day. <clears throat> so, but during that season, I, I was lost and confused and, and, desperate for an answer, but my desperation for an answer turned into desperation for him. And God had to take me to where I thought I didn't hear his voice. He had to take me to that wilderness place, that isolated, solitary place alone, the other side of the Metroplex, to hunger and to groan and to cry out to him like I'd never have before because when I lived in McKinney, I was, I was flying high and I had the job I wanted and I was enjoying it and I had all the things, but there was still discontentment. There was still a cry in my heart over there. It just took me to move and realize how much of a cry it was and how hungry I was and how starving I was. And the, the dangerous thing is sometimes we go through seasons in the wilderness and when we get to our promised land, the hunger stops. Sometimes we go through wilderness seasons, we go through desert experiences, we go through these amazing experiences of hunger and crying to the Lord and groaning and this roaring to him of God, you are all I need, come hear me, come hear my distress, come hear what I'm going through, you're my only way out, there's nowhere else for me to turn, there's nowhere else for me to go, there's no one else that will do or that will satisfy Jesus but you. And then we get the thing that we're praying for, and we get the job, we get the house, we get the wife, we get the car, we get the money, and the hunger decreases a little bit. 
And, and, and David here is saying, I never want to lose that hunger. I'd rather make my home in the wilderness because you see, the hunger is the, pur- is the purpose. Write it down. The hunger is the purpose. The desperation is the why. God's going to answer your prayer. And I believe God's going to bring you into your promised land. But for us, for Jesus to come back, I think his bride has to have a different change of a groan. There has to be a roar that rises up within us. And some of us are mad because you think I'm taking away your promised land. No, he's the promise. He's your answer. I don't want anything. It's like, it's like Moses said, Lord, if, if your presence doesn't go, don't take me in the promised land. If I don't have you, if, if my hunger decreases, even a molecule, God, burn everything else and leave me in the wilderness. Leave me at Sinai if that's where your glory is, but I just want you and I'll establish a city there and build my family there and raise my children there around this place of my desperation because I'm learning that God is much more after how we respond in the wilderness to if we can go to the promised land. He's much more after his victory than trying to figure out our victory and our breakthrough. And his victory, what gets his heart like David, is when he can stoop down and say, I've heard the cry of my people because he's a provider, because he's a father. Jesus said, our father. He didn't say my father. He didn't even say my husband. He said my father, because God wants to be father. He wants to provide, and he wants a dependent people on him. I'm not saying you can't pray for things. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying you don't lose the hunger. Don't lose the passion. Don't lose the desire when you get the thing. I'll put all my things into the wilderness and burn it. And Jeremiah says, I'm gonna build you a city on the mound of destruction, meaning where the city was burned, I'm gonna build another city. If you give me something, Lord, and my hunger decreases, take it away. This is just me talking to the Lord. You're just here. Sometimes the best thing God can do for us is leave us in the wilderness for a while. Listen, I'm not glorifying difficult times. I'm not glorifying the wilderness necessarily, but what I am saying is embrace the hunger that's produced in it. Embrace the desire that's produced in that lonely place and don't lose it because you won't stay in the lonely place forever but the hunger will bring you more of Jesus. The cry will get to his ear and make him respond in ways that we could never imagine. Jeremiah 31 verses two and three says, thus saith the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. And when Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is so good. Therefore, I have come. I have continued my faithfulness to you. He's given us this grace in our wilderness season and turned what is a difficult time, God will turn it into grace. God will say, this is the time of grace that I've given them because they've hungered for me. Is there anyone that hungers for Jesus? 
Isaiah 51 verse 3 says, for the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden. He doesn't say, I'm going to take you to Eden. He says, I'm going to make your wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. And here's the key, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. This is how you turn every situation into Eden. Every wilderness into the garden of the Lord is thanksgiving and the voice of melody. It's the voice of hunger crying out to him regardless of what's going on, regardless of what's happening, and it's purely for him. The Israelites never cried out to the Lord because they loved him and they wanted more of him and they were thankful. They cried out to the Lord and their complaint and, their, and, and what they didn't have but God in his goodness continue to provide and continue to pour. But there is a generation that is coming that I believe that I am speaking to right now that is hungry and desperate enough for Jesus that we can say in the wilderness or in the promised land, on the river or on the banks of the river, in the backside of the desert or in the temple, I'm gonna build my life around this hunger and I pray in Jesus' name, it never stops. And even when the good thing comes, it can never have me because he has all of me. Joel 2, 3 says, a fire devours before them and behind them a flame burns. This is a people that are on fire. The land is like the garden of Eden before them and behind them a desolate wilderness. Your hunger will change your wilderness into your Eden. And nothing shall escape them. So it's not about getting out of the wilderness. It's about turning the wilderness into a place of thanksgiving and praise. It's not again about getting out of the season so we can attain something like the children of Israel because the children of Israel were not prepared. God said in Deuteronomy 1, do me a favor. Don't go in there because you're gonna die. You are not prepared. You haven't listened to what I've said and you haven't overcome anything. So if you go in there, you're gonna die. And so the wilderness prepares us. Someone say prepares us. So what if there was a generation that trailblazed wildernesses and turned them into Edens because of their hunger? What if a generation trailblazed wildernesses instead of just trying to get out of them, we turned them into a place of praise. We turned our wilderness into a place of desperation. We turned our wilderness into a place where the presence of God lives and moves and dwells and our city is called the hungrier there. What, David, what made David a man after God's own heart is that he cried out and inquired of the Lord in every season and was completely dependent on him. While we are contending to get out of the wilderness, God is interested in cultivating our hunger and dependency in it. While we are contending to get out of the wilderness, God is interested in cultivating our hunger and dependency in it. While we are achieving our victory, God is after us resting and rejoicing in his victory, despite what season or what place we find ourselves in. This is what Moses said to the Lord. He said, my presence will go with you in Exodus 33, verses 14 to 17. The Lord saying to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to them, then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, this is Moses, do not bring us up from here. And I pray that whatever we're going through, any person within the sound of my voice, 
God, do not bring us up from this place if your presence doesn't go with us. If my hunger doesn't increase every day, stop me in my tracks. If this place isn't dripping with people crying out for more, starving for more of Jesus, God, shut it down. Let this place be a place of hunger and desperation. Somebody say amen. Amen. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace? There it is again. We found grace in the wilderness in your sight, except you go with us. So your grace, you'll know your grace if he's there. So we shall be separate, that's holy, your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he's saying that to him in the wilderness. The Lord meticulously cared for the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 8. He reminds them, and I already shared that, he reminds them of everything they saw. They, They saw all that they desired, They walked in all that the Lord had promised them, and he just says, remember me. And sometimes we get to what we're praying for and what we've desired, and we forget who brought us there. We get to what we are asking for. We get to, we get the church, we got the people, we got everything. And we forget the one that brought us through the whole thing. And he's saying, remember me. And he wants the dependency to be cultivated in a generation again. In a world where you don't need to be dependent where we have everything we need at our fingertips. We can, we, I could get up here and, and preach a message just from good study tools, and the spirit wouldn't be there. The Lord wouldn't be there. The hunger, the desire, like David had, is the only thing that we can cultivate to God. It's the only thing that we can give him. It's our worship. It's our thanksgiving. It's our praise. And sometimes it takes our wilderness to see how lost we are without him and how desperate we are if he doesn't come and how, and how lost we are and, and confused without him. It takes us to get to that place of, Lord, I've sinned. I've fallen short. I'm got, I've got to this place where I'm, I'm an idiot, Lord, and I have nowhere else to turn and there's nowhere else for me to go. Lord, save me. Redeem me. I'm crying aloud to you and I'm hungry for more of you. Is there anyone that's hungry? Despite all that God did for the children of Israel, they were consumed with what they didn't have and didn't embrace that even in the wilderness, they were God's chosen people. The Lord said in Deuteronomy 1 through Moses, he said, I've carried you as a man carries his son. Isaiah 40, go there. Are you guys catching the spirit of what I'm saying? I don't have a lot left, believe it or not. No one believes me. Isaiah 40, when you're there, say amen. In verse one, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended. I said your warfare is ended. That her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord double for all her sins. Verse three, the voice of one crying, where is he crying? In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. 
and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse six, the voice said, cry out. And Isaiah says, what shall I cry? And he says, all flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. He is the cause of all causes. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. Someone say, but the word. The word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountains. He's saying, O Zion, get up. Go into the high mountains, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift up your voice and do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. It's like David when he says, I'm confident in my desire. Isaiah is saying, lift up your voice with strength because our confidence is in the fact that we are hungry for him. Our confidence is in the fact that we have no other motivations outside of him. And that is what gives us the ability to lift our voice with strength and do not be afraid. Amen. So the word wilderness here in verse three, when it says the voice of one crying in the wilderness, it, mean, it is the, the Hebrew word midbar, spelled exactly how it sounds, and it means a desert or an uninhabited land. It, it speaks of large tracts of empty land around cities. It speaks of a lowly, a lonely, isolated place that's in between destinations. And this is so cool. The root of this word, midbar, is, the, is another Hebrew word that midbar comes from that's called dabar. Did I sound like an uh, Arab when I said that? Dabar. All right. Sound like baba? Okay, good. <laughs> it's rooted in the word dabar, which means to speak to declare, this is where wilderness is rooted in. To speak, to declare, to promise, to command, to sing. And it's the same word. Remember, Isaiah asked the Lord, what shall I cry? He's telling him, he's giving him all the answers. He's saying, I'll make a way in the wilderness. I'll make straight in the desert. I'll make a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain will be brought low. Every crooked place will be made straight. And then the voice said, cry out. He's given you the answers. This is how we do it. We cry out. And Isaiah says, what shall I cry? And he says, all flesh is grass. Surely the people are grass because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word, dabar, the word of our God stands forever. It's the same word. And so sometimes God will take you to the wilderness because he's gonna change your word. He's gonna change your praise. He's gonna change your rejoicing. He's gonna change your worship. He's gonna change how you exalt him. He's gonna change your sound, your tone, your cry in the wilderness. And that's how you fight in the wilderness. It's not spiritual warfare. He says your warfare is ended. Our answer is to cry out his goodness in every place to cry out his goodness in every season, to cry out his goodness in every wilderness, in every desert place we find ourselves. It's to speak the word of God. Listen, John is the one crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist. He's in the wilderness. 
I always wondered, like, how do you hear him? <laughs> it's in the wilderness. Like, they, have a, they, they have a megaphone. Because you read, read uh, Matthew chapter 3, it talks about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and it said, and all from the region went out to John the Baptist. He didn't come into the city. He cried in the wilderness, and everyone went out to see him. Even Jesus went out to the Jordan in the wilderness to be baptized of John the Baptist. And sometimes God has to take us into the wilderness to speak to us. Sometimes God will speak something to us that he'll only say in the wilderness. Again, I'm not glorifying hard times, but embrace what God is saying in them. Embrace the clarity. Embrace the hunger that we have towards him in these seasons. And speak the word of God. Declare the word of God. Come on. Promise Speak his promises, command things over your life, and sing with a voice of thanksgiving. This is what the whole word is rooted in. The wilderness is not the place to retreat, but to cry out to him and declare his word. The voice of one crying in the wilderness is the one. Take this personally. The voice of one crying in the wilderness is the one that prepares the way of the Lord. So if John was the one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord, then that tells me that the Lord's way is through the wilderness. He's going to make a way. Someone say a way. So good. He's going to make a way. He's going to make a highway for our God. And straight, that's a narrow path in the desert. So don't always fight the desert, but embrace of what it creates in you. So in Matthew chapter three, just write it down. We don't have to read it. Um, but Matthew chapter three, read about John the Baptist. But it says that he cried out in the wilderness of Dugia, du- Ju- Judea. There you go. <laughs> Close enough. In Matthew chapter three, it says he cried out in the wilderness of Judea. <clears throat> if you look at a map, the wilderness of Judea was right in between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. Right? Are you guys with me? Everyone look at me. Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. And he's crying in the middle. He's crying in the wilderness. The, the, the lonely place in between two destinations. And this is where he's crying, make a way. You gotta, this is like the most teachy part, okay? So you guys gotta lock in. Make a way in the wilderness. So the, the Dead Sea speaks of dead, unresponsive humanity. I've taught this before in the past. It speaks of dead, unresponsive humanity. It's like Lot's wife that turned into a pillar of salt. The, the Dead Sea is so dense with salt that you can, you can jump on it and you'll float. For those of you that have been to the Dead Sea, it's overly consumed with the influences of the world. That's what salt speaks of influence. It's a dead, unresponsive. When, when Paul says that we were dead in sin, that's unresponsive. It's the state of the world today. And I'm sorry to say that some of the church is also in the Dead Sea because they they let the influence of the world dictate their ministry and they become a pillar of salt like Lot's wife. And and listen, we're we're not bashing anybody, but like I said, we have to prepare the bride. Make ready the bride, the singular bride, the one body for Jesus to come. So we have to speak what is truth or he's just gonna delay because he's gonna stick to his word. He says, I'm coming for a glorious church. I don't see a glorious church yet, right? 
So the Dead Sea, it speaks of an unresponsive humanity, and we know that Jerusalem is the temple of the living God. It speaks of the church. It speaks of his body. It speaks of his bride. So those that cry out and hunger for the Lord in the wilderness are those that make the way and bridge the gap between dead humanity and the city of the living God. You want me to say it again? Those that cry out and hunger for the Lord in the wilderness, like John did. He's in the wilderness between the Dead Sea. See, things aren't in the Bible just for no reason. This is why we have to study. This is why we got to figure out the why, and we got to dissect and figure out what's going on in the time, where are they, and what is God saying through this. It's not a storybook. There's a lot of those. It is life, and every word is intentional. So we have to study. So those that cry out and hunger for the Lord in the wilderness are those that make the way. Bridge the gap between the Dead Sea and the church, the city of the living God, between the Dead Sea and Jerusalem. So our hunger is what will draw others to him. Are you guys seeing it? Our cry is what will will draw the world. It's the gap in the wilderness. It's like establishing a city here that becomes, it's like standing in the gap, making up the hedge between dead, lost, unresponsive humanity and the house of the living God, the body of God. And it starts with planting and rooting a foundation in the wilderness and not trying to get out of it to attain something, but to stay in it and cultivating the hunger that is produced because that's what's gonna save the world. You guys with me? Am I speaking English? That's what's going to save the world. Isaiah 35 verses 1 to 2 says, The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Somebody say amen. amen. The wilderness and the wait. Can I get the worship team to come back? The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. That same chapter of Isaiah 35 and verse 8 says, A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. God is producing a highway of holiness in your wilderness. The unclean shall not pass over it, for it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast go up. Is this ministering to anybody? It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Let it be so, Jesus. Turn to Psalms 84, and then we'll be done. Verse one, sorry, getting used to this thing. How lovely, can you guys hear me? How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, verse one, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. 
my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Are you guys, this Psalms 84 verse one. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. The ESV says, whose heart are the highways to Zion. And as they go, as they pass through the valley of Becca, that's weeping. I'm just gonna read it out of the ESV because I have it in here. I'm gonna do verses five to verse seven out of the ESV. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are the highway of Zion. And they go through the valley of Becca, the valley of weeping, and they make it a place of springs. This is what crying out in a weep, weeping hunger unto God, it makes your valley of weeping, weeping into a place of springs. That is the place of, that means well, that is a spring place. That is the source of satisfaction. So our satisfaction, if we hunger for him, and thirst for him, weep for him and cry out to him, what the weeping will turn into our satisfaction. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength and each one appears before God in Zion. Somebody say amen. Can we all stand to our feet? So this morning, as we all lift our hands, I want to encourage, encourage you guys this morning because I know we all go through different things and we all go through rough seasons, but I believe that God has changed our perspective this morning. Amen. God has, in studying this, God changed my perspective to embrace the lonely place and embrace the wilderness. Embrace the weeping because there's a secret in it. And God so loved this man, David, that he caused God to stop and say, this is a man after my own heart. Something about crying aloud to him causes the God of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth to stop and say, I hear a cry. And no matter what we are going through, I wanna encourage you guys this morning to let that build a momentum of hunger and desire that maybe wasn't there before. And let God speak to you in a new and fresh way in your current season. And just for a moment, take your eye off where you're trying to get. I'm trying to, to, to break perspectives. Take your eye just for a moment on where you're trying to get and embrace where God has you. And let God produce a hunger in you that creates a cry that bridges the gap between humanity and his house, that bridges the gap between a dying, desperate, lonely world and his house. Because the wilderness, sometimes we turn into a very, when we're going through our, 
through our things, we're going through seasons, we're going through hardships, it turns us sometimes into a very selfish people. And we think about, how am I gonna get out of this? But what is God building in me that's gonna help another? We want Jesus to come. This has to be this perspective. What is God building in me in my wilderness? What is God building in me in my loneliness? What is God building in me in my confusion? What is God building in me in my desperation? What is God building in me when I'm confused and I don't know what's going on? What's he building? What's he speaking? The word of God speaking like John crying out in the wilderness. He's not crying out in the church. He's not crying out in the temple in Jerusalem and the temple mount. He's crying out in the wilderness because there's only an answer that the wilderness can give. The answer sometimes is only found in the wilderness. And take the eyes off of ourselves and say, what is God speaking to me now? What is he building in me now? What scales are he taking off, is he taking off of my heart right now that I can stand in the gap for another? That I can say to another, listen, I've been in this wilderness a long time. Let me show you the road over here. It looks like Eden because I've cried out to him and he answered me in my place. Let me show you this road over here. It used to be desert. Now it's a straight way unto our God and it's a straight way to the city. It's a straight way to the life of God. Let me show you where I've been. Let me show you what this hunger has produced because you see our only answer is in our hunger our answer is in our desperation our answer is in our dependency the prayers of the destitute he hears them the naked exposed thank you again for joining us for this podcast we pray that above all your life was touched by his presence. If you're interested in learning more about the church or getting plugged in, you can visit us at www.risennation.org or follow us on social media to stay up to date with all that God is doing here. We love you guys. God bless.